Fine. Okay, right. so t- take two. Take two, guys. I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Okay, guys. Episode three of the Jim Twats podcast. Welcome. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, common trends and, and issues that we see uh, when we take on new coaching clients and some of the methods that we use to to perhaps navigate around these problems um, to help get our clients results that they can adhere to um, and that are sustainable. And hopefully it'll be stuff that you guys can start incorporating into your own training and nutrition and, and lifestyle, etc., cetera, um, and ultimately help you as well. So, Rich, I think you uh, got the first first topic. Yeah, I was saying that one thing that I find always comes a bit of a shock um, to me is when clients are surprised that there is a process that happens before you write um, any kind of program, you send them any kind of nutritional information, um clients always really surprised at that and i think that shows um a real lack of um understanding from a lot of how coaches structure their training especially in the online realm and just the lack of being able to kind of understand the client and get what they want out of you know understand what they want out of their training and there's the sheer sort of surprise of like oh like we're going to do like what's a movement screening, um, you know, goal setting, those sort of things. Like clients are surprised at this when they really, really shouldn't be. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the most important part of the journey is also establishing exactly where you are, establishing where you want to be and then ha- having that reverse engineering process as well. So it's like kind of skipping out on the where you are right now is like it's pretty, pretty dire to do that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I found recently with the last few clients that I've taken on. Um, And this is me as well, just just digging in a little deep with people, is that they don't, they they say they want fat loss or they want muscle building or they want something else. But if you dig a little deeper, they actually perhaps want something completely different. Um, You know, you might say, oh, I want to lose weight. And you, you ask more questions and you ask more questions. And it's like, well, losing weight would be nice, but actually what I really want is to be more confident, to, to feel happier, to be able to do X, Y, and Z with my partner, to walk into the gym and be able to start exercising without feeling embarrassed and stuff. And it's not so much uh, physical changes that they want. It's, it's a lot of mental and like an emotional changes that they're ultimately looking for. But I think this comes back to people, um, personal training and online coaching. For a lot of people, it's become this like binary choice of you either want to drop fat or get big. Um, there's a whole lot of other stuff as well. So I've, I've definitely found with clients that by digging a little deeper, the most common trend has been that they don't actually want what they say they want. They want something different and unless you dig a little deeper and you follow that process that Rich was talking about, you're going to struggle to, to actually find it. And you might get 12 weeks down the line and yeah, your client has lost some weight, but they're still not happy for some sort of reason. And then you think, Oh, well, 
or, or they cancel with you and you're like why well, cancel you've done so well and they're like oh i just don't feel like i'm like gaining anything from it. like i'm still binge eating and i still don't want to get naked in front of my husband and or wife you know or this that and the other and it's that communication isn't it it's that process digging a little deeper and uh finding the the why as a as a lot of people will call it yeah i, I definitely i definitely agree with the whole kind of how uh social media is very polarized between like fat loss and muscle gain is now every client anyone ever takes on is like yeah cool we did a recomp then we did muscle gain then we did fat loss then we did muscle gain then we did a little recomp but it's just that kind of cycle over and over and it's like if you're a physique athlete then you know absolutely fine because that is probably your end goal but for 95% of the population that's not really the process they they want to go through or that they it's not the outcome they're going to expect or need in the first place yeah definitely Sam yeah I mean just to add on to that point really I think um I think probably when it comes to things like uh, you know kind of building habits and stuff like that I think that's such a an underrated and often overlooked part of the process in a sense um and again kind of going back to what you guys said you know there's been a lot of occasions with clients where, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of put the brakes on fat loss and once again, or whatever, and we'll just strip it back and we'll be like, okay, let's just spend the next 30 days or whatever, just focusing purely on habits. Let's focus on, you know, getting your steps between a certain range every day. Let's try and keep calories here within like a 10% range of like your target, stuff like that. Um, and then we just, uh, you know, there's been many times when I've done this with clients where on a week to week basis is focusing more on the habit side of things. And we just completely ne- like neglect like the, you know, the scale weight, the training side of things, it really is just about a case of just doing X, Y, Z, which we know are going to build the foundations for more success down the line. Um, and I think that's just something that's so overlooked at the minute. And like what you guys said, you know, uh, we very much are in an industry at the minute where everyone kind of comes into the game of coaching, expecting that they're either going to drop some body fat, build some muscle, when, you know, they might not even necessarily be in the right position for themselves to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with that point. Um one thing I think that's helped a lot with my clients recently is um, so basically I've got like um, a, like a meal planning tool that I have with all of my clients. So, um, you know, obviously I always preach like more of like a flexible approach for clients when it comes to nutrition and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, more than capable of uh, being flexible with their diet and, you know, still hitting calories, protein, getting enough micronutrients and stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, there will probably be occasions in time. Uh, whether it's down to experience or whether it's just down to lifestyle management where you probably want a bit more structure with your nutrition, like a bit more consistency just to kind of take a stress away from you in that sense. Um, So Mm -hmm. I've got this um, meal planning tool that I use with clients where basically I'll jump on a call with them to show them how to use it and stuff. But it's essentially um, a do-it-yourself like type meal planner. So you just basically pick the foods from different drop-down menus, create different meals that you want. And as long as they add up to the targets we set, then, uh, then we're all good. And I feel like that's been quite revolutionary for some clients because uh, it's kind of given them control of building their own diet plan. And then they can just kind of go away, run away with that. They don't have to stress about, you know, what they're eating on a day-to-day basis because they've already planned it in advance sort of thing. And what's pretty cool about it is they can go and change it whenever they want to. Um, And I feel like having that in place has just made a massive difference to some people Um, just because now it kind of bridges the gap and it kind of gives them um you know flexibility in a sense of they're designing their own meals but at the same time uh it's giving them structure and like consistency in that sense yeah i've got i've got something similar i think we all have the exact same one as far as i'm aware 
Probably. I think we've all got Probably. the exact same template. I've got a new one now. I've we got, got a new one. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Sam was upgraded, and we'll be. I um, I I've altered I've altered altered mine quite a lot and and changed it and, add, and like added and taken things away just so that it kind of gives me what I want in terms of what I want clients to have. Um, but I find it super useful as well because because you could just say well if your clients have autonomy over it, then why not just use my fitness pal? But I find that with my fitness pal, because you've basically got limitless options of what you can put in there, it makes it just as confusing. Whereas with something like a hybrid meal planning sheet, because the food list on it is fairly limited, they've not got as many options food choice wise to pick from. So it makes things easier and sort of less to think about. Whereas, you know, if your only protein options are chicken, turkey, steak, different types of turkey mints or beef mints, whatever, it makes it easy because you've kind of got less options. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you've got a client that is, that has a little bit more autonomy, but you're noticing that they're struggling with perhaps hitting their calories or, hitting their protein intake whatever it might be you can just revert back to the planner and say follow just go and eat this for a day and see how you feel and see how it can be done or if you've got a client that on paper should be losing weight or gaining weight but they're not and you're thinking well the maths isn't quite adding up and they are saying to you well I'm doing everything right I'm doing everything you're telling me to do then you've got to think, well, okay, well, perhaps you're misreporting somewhere or there's some inaccuracies with the way that you're tracking your nutrition. Why don't you go ahead and follow what's on the meal plan for three or four days and we'll have, and we'll have a look at what happens. And if things then start going in the direction that you want, you can then kind of say, okay, well, you've eaten what's on the meal plan so it means that there's you're perhaps misreporting somewhere and we need to maybe dig a little bit deeper into that so it can work from that perspective as well and i find i found that really helpful recently definitely with a few clients that have been in that have been inaccurately tracking just but without knowing it Hmm. yeah Yeah, i think my fitness pal's got a lot to answer for in that um there are so many incorrect entries you can put something in and there'll be three or four different uh, selections, all with different calorie amounts, all with different macro amounts. Um, it's confusing because you can type something in and you start getting stuff from the US, like there'll be Walmart options and stuff like that. And um, a lot of the serving sizes, are, again, are American. So you'll put in a drink and it will start putting in things like fluid ounces or it will put, um, it'll say like one cup. And obviously we don't use those measuring systems here. So I think... This is where there's a massive disconnect between people who understand and know how to use um, MyFitnessPal as a, as a tool versus people who are new to it. And it's just really confusing to them. And they're going like, well, everyone says this is so simple. I can't seem to get it right. And again, no one wants to feel like they're stupid or they're fucking something up. So therefore, people end up ditching MyFitnessPal for that exact reason. I feel like if they cleared up their databases a bit more and started having geographical lists based on the country that you select, um, it could be so, so, so much easier than reaching out to companies to have, you know, for example, to update 
and you get the little tick when you know it's from, um, you know, for example, the manufacturer of food products will actually have uploaded all the correct nutritional information. And that can make things so much easier for people. Um, and like I say, we, we hammer on that MyFitnessPal is so easy to use, but it's easy for us to use in the same way I think it's easy to drive a car. But for someone who's driving for the first time, they keep stalling the engine, as everyone does when they first learn to drive a car, they end up feeling stupid. And there's this perception of like, well, you're shit. And yeah. if you can't do this and you're an idiot. And again, it's, it's, it's the kind of like, it's not meeting the client where they are with their knowledge um, yeah. and their understanding. And, you know, people jump these days, will jump straight and go, right, okay, well, here are your macros. Yeah. I've had clients who don't know what macros are. And it's this expectation that people already know what a macro is, what a micronutrient is. And again, there's so many assumptions in the coaching process that I think end up really um, destroying the relationship between the coach and the client. Yeah. Um, the client then feels that they are uncoachable and they thought they, and then they go, well, I tried the whole personal training thing or I tried the whole online coaching thing. It didn't work for me. Yeah. But all that happened was you were given the wrong tools to do the job i find it really interesting how like it's, it's so common to see like online coaches who post now and be like you know be a coach for client this is what i look out for yet when they come to the clients they have they don't adapt their process to the clients it's like it's a bit of an oxymoron to kind of dictate that you need to be a certain type of person to follow a system and be be coached by someone online when it's the coach's job to adapt what they're doing to fit the client structure to adapt the onboarding system the nutrition whatever that may be based on that kind of um, data gathering at the start we talked about. So if you don't do that, then you've got this mismatch of information and then application between the two, between uh, clients and coach. Yeah. I've, I find my fitness pal super useful for clients, but I, yeah, you can't just tell someone to start tracking without having to educate them on it a little bit. Um, I, I generally send, say to people and it's in my, my, coaching documents when people start up is it rules for my fitness pal are track at you know track in real time so don't sit down to watch netflix at 9 p.m and then open your my fitness pal and try to input everything that you've eaten that day because there'll be shit that you'll have forgotten or you won't know the amounts track everything in grams because we use grams here and you're likely to weigh everything in grams if you're weighing your food, which you should be if you're tracking when you first start out, definitely. Um, and compare what comes up on your phone with what's on the nutrition label Yeah, is a huge one because, you know, I've had it in the past with clients where they will, they're, they're having like a steak, for example, and it will say on the nutrition label, like each steak is 250 grams and this is what it is. So you scan it and it pops up on my fitness pal saying one 250 gram steak and you go, okay, cool. Yeah. So the packet says it's 250. My fitness pal says it's 250, but then you weigh it and it's like 260 and you go, so then you've got to make sure that you're doing that accurately as well. But then like what Rich said, you might scan the back of a packet and just assume that it's correct. But I've had it in the past where I've bought food from like Aldi or Lidl and I've scanned it and it's come up with some like American like German or American, yeah. 
but not even the food that I've scanned. Like I'll scan a bag of potatoes and it will come up with like pop tarts from like somewhere. And I'm like, the fuck's this? (laughs) Basically the same thing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like, or you'll get clients that weigh everything like in cooked weight when the packet (sighs) is raw weight. Well, sometimes again, going back to like Aldi and Lidl on there are some brands of pasta from Aldi where the nutrition label says cooked weight. So you've got to cook the pasta first and then weigh it out in order for the nutritional information to be correct. But then in my fitness power, it comes up as the uncooked weight. So you'll, you'll type in that you've had like a hundred grams of pasta and my fitness pal thinks that that's a hundred grams of cooked pasta so your calories are all over the shop. Oh, there you go, folks. If you if you want to make sure your my fitness pal data is accurate, don't shop at Aldi or Lidl. Apparently, I think I think this is what. Um, if you want to actually have any money, you've got. To- <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think this is why people are find it hard to believe that calories in, calories out is the most important part of nutrition um in weight loss weight gain and things like that because they're like they'll say well i tracked everything that i ate and i still either couldn't gain weight couldn't lose weight or couldn't reach my my goal Mm. even though i was tracking absolutely everything um and again i've had these issues before with people and then it leads this concept of either calories in calories out doesn't work tracking your macros doesn't work or it then feeds back into a more sort of bit more insidious sort of idea is that you have to eat a certain type of way in order to lose weight. Yeah, 100%. You know, like you'll, you'll see people that have tried tracking in the past and it hasn't worked. And then they might go and start like a keto diet. Yeah. And yeah. because they've, because ultimately then they've just, they've just slashed themselves of lots of calories and it's put them in that deficit and it's worked for them. They then are like, well, calorie counting was shit, but the keto diet is awesome. And then trying to, to get somebody to, to understand that it wasn't the diet. It wasn't the fact that they cut carbs out that, that got them the result. It was the fact that they were in a calorie deficit, which is what we were trying to teach them ultimately in the first place. It's so hard to get, to get their heads around that. So I think coming back to obviously common trends in let's call it tracking inaccuracies or not understanding nutrition properly or the process. I think like being educated has got, is the, it's got to be huge, isn't it? It's, you can't just expect your clients to know you've got to, to educate them. There's a certain amount of trial and error that comes into these things. It's like, just going back to what Rich said, like, I think I, I downloaded and deleted my fitness pal four or five times. Like when I first started training before I finally got the hang of it, like the first, like the first like photo shoot prep I did, I didn't use my fitness pal. I was on such low calories, just like Ben said, that I was going to lose fat anyway. And I was like Googling like the, the average, calorie per whatever food I was um, eating, doing the maths on my phone calculator and putting it into my notes every day and then just doing that. Um, yeah. I've also found, I mean, don't know about you guys as well, but a common trend with a lot of people is that sticking them straight onto calorie tracking and my fitness pal, it doesn't solve a lot of 
No. Uh, it doesn't solve a lot of, of, of underlying problems that people have when it comes to their nutrition and their behaviours. And sometimes I feel like for some people, it's great to have flexibility and autonomy. But if you say, oh, yeah, just, if you just track your calories and make sure you're in this deficit, then um, things will be fine. Yeah when their relationship with food is still fucking terrible and they're yeah. eating shit and, and their insides are just in pieces and they've got low energy and they're bad skin and they're not sleeping. You're not really helping them. Are you? They might lose weight, but they might be super unhealthy. So I sometimes find, and I wouldn't have said this three years ago. I sometimes find with some people you've got to, to, be that authority figure and just be like look you've got to cut out a lot of this crap like you've got you've got to perhaps eat clean for a while and know what it's like to eat like nutritious food and focus on a couple of veg servings a day and some protein servings per day and not just have it be like pizza and mcdonald's and stuff all the time and once you've built a healthier relationship with food you've then kind of like earned the right to be able to build up that balance and incorporate those foods back into your diet because you're now like your overall understanding of nutrition and the way that you manage stress and emotional eating and all that is in a much better position than you can ultimately then afford to live that way because you'll see like you'll have like a, a woman or, or that's massively overweight that then sees like a fitness influencer that's got an unreal bod being like, yeah, I eat pizza for breakfast and still lose weight. And they're like, oh, well, it's being she's being nice. V-shred, right? Yeah. And you're like, that, that girl that's in Dubai in her bikini, like she'll have gone through some savage dieting phases where she's not eating pizza to look like that. Like, let's be, yeah. let's be real. Like she's got her body into a position where she can now afford to have a pizza and she's not going to blow up. Like you're not in that place yet, but, yeah. If you work yeah. hard, you'll get there. You know what I mean? I think also, also um God Rex, you go first. I'm gonna say there's just also just because someone someone with a great rig posed next to a pizza of five guys, whatever it is, doesn't mean they actually ate it. Yeah. Even if they do this. <laughs> it's like have you seen this? There's, there's even an Instagram page. Uh it was called um, You Didn't Eat That. <laughs> No, and it's pictures of supermodels kind of like posing with like milkshakes, burgers, and stuff like this, like runway models who are like, you know, built like a you know, way about as much as a wet cocker spaniel. And it's that like them posing or them talking about, oh, you know, I love eating burgers, I eat ice cream every single day. And it's like, no, you don't. No, no, you do not. You do not look like that. There is no way you weigh that little and you're eating ice cream every single day because that would take up such a huge amount of your calories. It's just, and again, it feeds people this sort of like misinformation, um, even if it's trying to be helpful and it's trying to sort of dissuade people from starving themselves. I think it then, it doesn't actually help the process. And like Ben, what you were saying about how people need to start, um, you know, cutting out a lot of junk food and stuff like this. It's, um, Something how I found like when people start juice diets and they say, I actually, I feel really good. And, you know, for, for the wrong reasons, because, okay, well, you're not eating shit anymore. You know, you're actually giving your sort of your digestive system a bit of a break from all that crap. 
but you're also actually getting far more nutrients into your, into your system than you ever have before. And it's like, is it any wonder you feel a bit better? Yeah, it's like when people go vegan, isn't it? Or vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. the whole meat doesn't agree with me thing, but the meat yeah. content for the entire week is like McDonald's, yeah. shitty burgers. It's like, yeah. it's not really the meat that's the issue. It's, yeah, it's uh... like you've just, sw- you've just switched from eating like a very typical Western diet to eating yeah. some vegetables and some salad and you feel better for it. Like, no shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll see a lot of this. Yeah, hmm. like... Do you know what? It's, it's interesting. So obviously I come from a position where, I mean, you guys know from following and stuff, you know, I obviously approach a flexible, or I kind of like preach more of a flexible approach and stuff like that. But something I try and get across like all the time is that, yes, you can like fit in like a few beers and stuff on the weekend and stuff like that. But I made this point in a post the other night. I'm like, you can do that, but that's, you know, basically only in place if you can actually like control your nutrition properly throughout the week and stuff, you ban the calories for it. But ultimately... There are other things you got to take care of first. You know, you've got to make sure you take care of protein, micros, fiber, and stuff, like the actual nutrition side of things. So if you want to perform your best, recover best, and ultimately get the results you want, you've got to do all that shit first before you can, you know, focus the, like the 10% of your calories or whatever on the other things. Um, yeah. You know, right. without that, like, yeah, it's all well and good. And I made this point on a post as well. Like there was a time, like what I mentioned on the other podcast where, you know, I would like effectively give over half of my calories for a stupid flex bowl that would contain different like sweets, chocolates and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's cool. And I know, no word of lie, I probably did that mostly for Instagram, let's be honest. Um, but like, I just felt shit with it because I'm like leaving half of my calories just for that. Starve myself for the rest of the day. My training was shit. Recovery was shit. Sleep was shit. And at that point, it's just not worth it, is it? Like, especially with, if, for the context of wanting to get results. Yeah. I'd also hazard a guess that yourself and your clients, even though like obviously you say you do preach very much a flexible approach, a lot of your like meals or your preferred foods are relatively similar day by day. Yeah, literally. So, like my, my diet myself, literally, my diet is pretty much the exact same Monday to Friday. Yeah. The only difference on a Friday is that I probably bank a few extra calories in the day just so I can have like a few whiskeys at night or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday, because Saturday, Sunday is normally like rest days for me. So I normally um have like a later start with meals and again bank calories so i can like order a nando's or something like that but you know a good 85 90 percent of my meals are the exact same purely for convenience and purely because i know it's an easy way of uh you know kind of getting like nutrient dense foods in and it's not really going to pack a punch in terms of calories so we are are very routine based creatures especially when it comes to like sensitivity digestive system as well and things like that and we we will definitely benefit from eating like similar foods and then making slight changes along the way something else to sort of like to throw onto that in like we're looking at people's food intake and what they're eating what they're tracking and stuff like this i think another thing that really messes people up is when they synchronize my fitness power with something like a fitbit or an apple watch mm-hmm which drastically overestimate calories burned from exercise. Mm. Yeah. And that again is where people go, okay, well, I burnt 800 calories <clears throat> during my training session, during my spin class, during my whatever it is, or I went for a walk and apparently I've burned 500 calories. Okay. Well now I'm going to eat 300 calories. Well, yeah. Okay. So well, you think you've got 200 bank there. When in fact, you likely only burn 150 calories at best on that walk. 
um, you know, or in that exercise session, you didn't burn 800 calories. You were lucky if you even burnt, you know, anything above five. And this is where people massively, I think, um, unintentionally and unknowingly stitch themselves up and where fitness trackers and food trackers together with the sort of the amount of poor information they get lead people to believe they're doing something that they're not. Yeah. I'm just just adding on to that. That's actually another big issue with my fitness pal when it tries to give you your initial um, calories and because um, I think there's an option where you can have the the exercise or your steps like input on my fitness pal yeah. and it gives you it gives you the calories. And as I've had a few clients come to me from that, I'm like, it's such an absolute, it's a mathematical clusterfuck that doesn't yeah. like translate to actually what happens within the body. And it's like yeah. you, you cannot yeah. calculate or predict that, and it's also always fucking wrong. How low does it put people's calories? I'm on fifteen hundred calories according to my fitness pal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so much. But it's bizarre that 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 method there because if you input that your goal is fat loss, by my fitness pal giving you calories back for exercise, it's basically putting you back at maintenance. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, cool, it's like you're, no wonder you're people have issues. <laughs> You're trying to lose weight, but but we're trying to get you to maintain weight. Um, but yeah, I agree on the on the like I tell people, I tell clients all the time when they might be like, oh, you know, I burned 800 calories in that session. And again, it's a trend. You've got to say you did. I mean, I've got a the most accurate I've seen um, is the Garmin watch that I wear. So we'll give them okay. a shout out. Maybe they'll want to sponsor the podcast. Going out to tens of listeners, tens yeah. of them. Um, when I, when if I ever can remember to to tell the Garmin that I'm training, it will typically tell me I've burned anywhere between 130 to 150 calories in like a, a 60 minute strength training session. That's about right. Which. I would say is pretty is accurate enough that that you kind of know where you're at. Like when I say to people, "Oh, you're probably only going to burn 150 calories in that session," they're like, "Oh," but I burnt 150 calories on the assault bike just doing 20 minutes. I'm like, you know, the calories on the assault bike are are not correct. Um, I was like, oh, you know, I did a 3K and, and my watch told me I burnt 1,200 calories. No, no, no. It's walking as well. They are walking, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. For like, they massively overestimate walking. You go for a walk, it tells you you burnt 300 calories. I'm like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Unless you wear like a weighted vest of 30 kilos, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, unless I'm literally walking through porridge, then, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, I said it, this, this is where people... People end up having this really kind of um, warped perception of they massively overestimate calories burned from exercise and then massively underestimate the, the amount of calories in the food that they're eating. Yeah, and like, the yeah. likelihood is is that the three hundred calories that they burned doing that walk, they were more they were more than likely drinking like a large full fat latte with their mate. Uh, whilst, whilst they were doing it, yeah, it was, it was more calorie, yep. what they're supposedly burned off. 
you know what I love about all of this? We've just gone off on a massive tangent here. We started out by just talking about, you know, uh, common struggles that our clients go through. And now we're going on to talk about why my fitness pal is bullshit, why fitness trackers are bullshit, and why everything's just bullshit. What else is bullshit? What else is, yeah, what else is bullshit? Everything. Literally. Everything's bullshit. <laughs> Ben's, Ben's just got so sick of it, he's left. He's like, I'm done now. <laughs> literally. But again, it goes back to the whole thing of like, you know, walking, like the whole you got to do 10,000 steps a day. Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> really, honestly, I can't, why? Why I cannot describe why. Te- I, like, it's this, it means absolutely nothing. It's like, I remember when I was, I, uh, the last gym I was working at before Strength House was 100,000 square foot and I was hitting 30,000 steps a day. And I was like, it, it, it doesn't make a fucking difference. It really doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, I needed a wee. Um, no, back back to the topic of the podcast. I think we went off on a tangent, on a ramble, but I think if you wanted to put a title on it, it would be a common trend between a lot of people is that they misreport things. Yeah. What we do know, what we do know is we're not going to get sponsored by my fitness pal, but we might have it in with Garmin. Supplement needs. <laughs> Supplement needs. I got, yeah. I got three. If we can just make sure that every time we eat or drink something on the podcast, <laughs> we have. The, the name of of whatever it is we're, we're drinking out of. So I've got a, a white monster here and a supplement needs bottle. So. To be honest, I don't know why I'm not taking the opportunity to plug the fact that I've got an affiliation with Redcon. I should you, did that, you did that last podcast. You, you, you did that last week, yeah. <laughs> I did. Thank you for reminding me. Well, you can't do it every week, mate. That's, that's mate, not are you <laughs> drinking Voss water? No, it's just the bottle. <laughs> oh, all right. Someone's doing well. That's, that's well, a proper, yeah. proper story behaviour, that is. Hey, that's oh, that's such a flex just for the podcast. That's such a flex. I've done it for the last two podcasts. Has no one fucking noticed. <laughs> right, if you, think, if you think that's a flex, wait till I'm doing our uh, podcast in Dubai in a few weeks' time. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's not oh, get into the... Yeah, mate, good yeah. luck with the internet, though. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's, it's a little bit... Literally, that place, they can run a ski slope in the desert, but they can't get good internet. They've got a seven-lane motorway, the old Sheikh Zayed highway, but they can't do internet. Mate, they can build the, you know, the Burj Al Arab still can't do internet. It's just, the I don't know what it is. Online I don't know what it is. Now. It's all the online coaches on fucking Loom. Yeah, exactly. They've got, yeah. No, they've got no bandwidth because every online coach on the planet is on their laptop. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Sam's off to Dubai to join the rest of the online coaching influencer realm. Um, yes. Well done, mate. But you've got to quarantine and shell out 1,500 quid when you get back, don't you? I don't think I will. Looks like if I think Dubai is probably going to get taken off that list. I'll probably have to home quarantine when I get back. But as long as it's not the hotel quarantine, I'm all right. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see on that one. But yeah, that, the worst thing is I'm genuinely going out there for business purpose. But I know for a fact that just being an online coach, being in Dubai with everyone else, I'm going to get put under the same umbrella as everyone else. So yeah, I'm prepared for the hate of it. I'm going to troll you so hard on social. I can't wait. I can't <clears> wait, for, honestly. So as a topic for the next podcast, like, yeah, so fitness wankers in Dubai. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? I know I love what I love about this podcast the most is that you guys have so much to say about how terrible the online coaching world is. And yeah, he's the only sole online coach. I'm sat here like I just feel attacked all the time. Like as well, you should. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you consider your life choices? That's actually the only reason we have you on the podcast is to have like consistent material each week. So if we if there's a bit of a lull in chat, we're like, what does Sam do? Let's let's have a go at that. Yeah, let's have a go at something he does. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, let's be fair. We all do online coaching. Sam's just the only one that's managed to make it full time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all a jealousy thing. That's what it is. So, uh, the thing is, I actually agree with literally everything you say as well. Um, with that's true. That's because it's true. But then that's probably why you're a successful online coach. Yeah, because I'm doing exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. me. That's how I've got my money in. <laughs> that's how. That's how he's getting that. That's how he's getting those dirhams. Those dirhams. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy that exchange rate, by the way. Oh no. I'm yeah. not looking forward to it one bit. It it'll probably be quite hot out there as well by the time you. Oh, go. it's going to be forty degrees, mate. I'm, I don't think I'm going to step outside to be honest. Like <laughs> I really like Dubai, but my um my skin and my complexion does not like Dubai. Not really. <laughs> like it's burn the second you get out. Like I I've been a, I've been a couple of times and. Literally, I step off the plane and it, it's like being like flash fried. I just walk off and instantly go. It's like a hairdryer in your face. You know, when like, like you open something, like you, you put something in the oven and you yeah, open yeah. it, so check on it, yeah. and it just gets you. Yeah. It's like that. Oh, God. I'm not looking forward to that one bit, to be honest. But yeah, you won't yeah. be wearing those long sleeve Gymshark tops there. Oh, hell no. No, hell no. I won't be sat freezing my ass off in my office at all. So, no. Uh, I just can't wait to take the typical online coach wanker photo on a beach, <laughs> laptop, laptop out in front of me, phone in hand, like I'm doing a voice note check in. That's something else I don't. So, you know how you were saying about people that take photos of, of bad food or, or junk food and they don't actually yeah. eat it? I have a feeling that with a lot of online coaches in hot climates that take the picture of the laptop like check-ins they're not doing check-ins no they're not doing check-ins no way right whenever i open my laptop on the beach in the sun i can't fucking see like like this like (laughs) (laughs) let me just say it from my perspective right when i was in santorini for those two weeks before i came back to the uk i tried to do check-ins outside once when it was 29 degrees something like that so you know it, it was approaching like autumn time obviously in greece or whatever I remember being south side, 29 degrees, on like my little balcony bit, trying to do check-ins. I gave up after 10 minutes because it was too fucking warm. My laptop was on fire and I couldn't see the screen. Yeah. Like, no like a phone hell. call with a client. Like, it's, you surely it, can't just do anything. There's no yeah. way in hell anyone's doing check-ins outside on a beach and stuff. It's pure no. fucking bullshit. Like, I, I, I've lived in Dubai. Half the time you go to the beach, your phone ends up, that little alarm thing work. starts yeah. going off. It's <laughs> overheating. And you're just like, oh, I don't know, what can I do? Like, I'm overheating as well. Like, what do, what do you want? And it's just, it's, yeah, the, the idea that you can be sat on the beach. And also, I, I'm pretty sure, like, two and a half grand MacBooks really don't like sand in them. Yeah. I, I can imagine that. There'll be, like, this flock of online coaches at the beach, and, like, five minutes later, you just hear all these laptop fans sound like they're going to take off, like, throughout the entire beach. Like, <laughs> Never happened. Yeah. Never happened. Oh. Um, we've gone off on a tangent again. Yeah. I didn't notice. It happens. That's, okay, let's just call that. The title of this podcast is going to be "We went off on a tangent." We went off on a tangent, yeah. My fitness pal, fitness trackers, fitness wankers, and tangents. Perfect. 
Yeah, you just put my fitness and then a comma and then underneath it, just put everything that you could put after it. Anyway. My fitness won't go. So, clients that track inaccurately is a big one for all of us. Hmm. Is there anything else that you guys... Oh, like the actual topic of the podcast. Um, We might as well try and provide some value here. Yeah. Only a little bit. I would say the biggest thing that helps clients get to a result is not adding in something new for them to do is taking away things that are getting in their way of that progress. So rather than say, I know to use a weird kind of like metaphor or analogy is like, if you're running a hundred meter hurdle, you don't then make the race 200 meters the easiest thing to do is to take the fucking hurdles out of the way. The less hurdles they have to jump, the easier they're going to find that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's actually taking things away rather than adding more things in. Whereas I think a lot of coaches will add stuff in because they want to kind of show value. They want to justify what they're charging. And so they'll, I said, they'll just throw stuff on top. Okay. Right. We're going to start tracking. Well, that's not working. Okay, well, now we're going to start doing 10,000 steps. Well, that's not working either. Well, now you're going to start weighing your food. And now you're going to start sending me photos of your food. And it just ends up like it's adding more, adding more, adding more. Yeah, it, should, it should be the matter of making the process as efficient as possible. And as like, there's, there's a massive difference between, I think there's people think there's a difference. Sorry, a simple and generic are the same thing. It's like you can make a really good program or principle or method really simple for a client doesn't mean it's like generic and doesn't suit them. So I think people like Rich said, they they feel like they need to like be consistently yeah. changing things week on week and have these like new things. Okay, cool. This week we're going to go from, so we're going to track HRV. Then next week we're going to go glucose. And it doesn't like the grand scheme of things, especially if you don't have to analyze the data, it doesn't actually matter. And if it's more yeah. stuff for the client to do, then there's, there's no value in it really. I think, um, I think the thing is as well, like I, it's like what we spoke about in the podcast last week as well. I think there's a sense of like shiny object syndrome, both from a coach perspective and a client perspective. It's constantly <laughs> thinking, oh, this looks cool. This is going to help me get better results. Let's add yeah. this in. Um, when in actual fact, like let's be perfectly straight here. The process of, you know, getting results, it really isn't as sexy as it's, you know, made to look via Instagram. Let's say, for example, you know, a lot of the time, it's just consistency, ticking boxes, doing the basics, and that will get the result. But that's not marketable a lot of the time, which is why, you know, obviously a lot of this shit gets added in to make it look sexy and stuff. And it's just like what Rich says, it's just adding more complication to the matter. And it's just making things a lot harder to achieve in that sense. Sorry, there was a delivery at the door. Um, <laughs> on, uh, on that, if we're still talking about taking things away... On yeah. the flip side, on the flip side of things, I've also found with some people that if you say to them, I think this is more on the food side of things, but if you say to them, "Oh, take that out, take that out, take that out," if you you can go too far with it to the point where they're like, "Well, this is shit," whereas if you say to them, "Well, rather than than taking away, if we add more in." that stuff will filter itself out anyway. So if you're saying, right, we're going to make it a rule that you're going to add in two large servings of vegetables with each meal. You're going to add in one good-sized serving of protein with each meal. 
rather than right i'm going to take the i'm going to take this out of your diet take that out of your diet take that out of your diet and they're like oh well i'm not really left with much so right we're going to add these things into your diet and see how you go you'll find that because they're eating so many vegetables because their protein intake is up they'll be feeling fuller for longer you know they're, they're satiated and whatever they feel good because they're eating some like healthy food and the stuff that we ideally don't want in the diet ends up kind of like filtering itself out automatically. So that's just kind of something that I've used with people in the past. It's not for everybody, um, but it can work sometimes. Yeah, that all makes sense. Um, I'd say it's just meeting the client and understanding them and what they um, I think so much of coaching is throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks mm. rather than actually kind of, because in my opinion, all coaching is educated guesswork. Yeah. Right. And okay. And that sounds like a weird thing to admit, but you can't know exactly what's going to work for your client. But the no. more information you get from them, the longer you spend understanding them and, you know, the position where they're in, understanding their lifestyle, their, you know, what, you know, their stress levels, all these other things, the more educated that guess is and the more accurate it's going to be. And even if it isn't spot on and it's a bullseye, it's not going to be too far from that mark. Yeah. So therefore you're adjusting rather than changing the plan. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's, again, like where we said that consultation process, that setup, um, like we kind of said in the previous podcast that we didn't record because we fucked it up because Ben's internet, that, um, that initial kind of meeting and that um, get, getting to know the client is so, so crucial. Yeah. Oh, so what I was going to say on that before <laughs> it cut out. Before it cut out. <laughs> was <laughs> without cut, without that, without... Um, without that whole process and, and, and managing the client's expectations and telling them what the process is going to be like and all of that kind of stuff it, it, on the online side of things, it would be the equivalent of somebody coming into the gym, inquiring for personal training saying, can you, can I do PT with you? And you saying, yeah, absolutely. It's a hundred pounds. They give you the hundred pounds and then you just like reach into your backpack and pull out a training program and just hand it over. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, here's a training program I wrote earlier. It worked for this guy. It definitely worked for you. You're like, mm, no. Unless you come across like a client that is one in a million that will literally is like a, you know, if you, there's a robot. Responds to anything. <laughs> yeah. Unless you've got a client that's a robot, it's not going to work. I'd love to work with robots, <laughs> but fortunately, uh, we don't. Well, this is the thing, and I think there's a concept of, you know, I know this is a good training program because it's worked for me. Therefore, um, it should work for the other person. And again, I think it just comes from a lack of education on the coach's side as well. Um, it's that a lot of coaches, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's that the whole case of just, you don't understand. It's called the Dunning-Kruger principle. Mm. Whereas when you start something, you're like, yeah, I'm the fucking tits at this. 
and you're like, yeah, no problem. Like, you know, I know fucking everything. Then you actually you learn a bit more and you go, oh, fuck, I realise I barely know a thing. And then, like, as you probably guys have found, like, I, you know, then you start talking to other coaches, you start learning a bit more, and then there are coaches that make you feel like you're absolutely stealing a living because you're like, fuck, these guys are so smart. Uh, they are so educated. And, um, you know, then it's, and I, I find it quite inspiring as well um to know that there are good coaches out there but also to that there's a point that you know you can reach and you can always improve your service and you can always improve what you're doing yeah 100 percent. definitely agree with that i feel like that a lot sometimes you just got up your game haven't you sometimes yeah <laughs> it's like the whole thing of like you know you've got that there's a little thing i think if you have to, if you give a shit about what you do you always doubt yourself a little bit. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that old saying, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you've got to go, you've got to find another room. Yeah. yeah. Exactly that. And again, I think it's very easy. It's a, it's a, it's very scary for people to, to be a, to go from being a big fish in a small pond to then suddenly being a little fish in a big pond. Yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, you see it, you see it in multiple things in life, like people who are afraid to go for a promotion because in the, at this level, they're currently like shit hot. And um, yeah, I think that again, and it, it's that sort of admittance that I don't know enough. And there's a certain amount of like ego and pride that's attached to that. And I think that can be on both sides um, in that Sometimes it's on the coach's side. They won't educate themselves. They won't go on to, to learn more. But also from the client, in some instances, that they almost don't want to be told what deep down they know is actually happening. Yeah. And sometimes people don't want to hear it. And again, that's that can be sometimes an ego thing or a pride thing. There's, there's a massive difference between confidence and arrogance when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, sure. Oh, damn, yeah. <laughs> Right, gents, I think we're about an hour yeah. in. Aren't we? I, think I think we've chatted chat enough shit for today. Yeah, I think we've yeah. given enough people uh, enough of our voices for one day. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I've definitely noticed a trend with these podcasts in that every episode, whatever the topic, we just revert back to talking about what we dislike about a lot of online coaching. Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a whole podcast on that and then hopefully we'll never speak about it again. Yeah, get it out of the system. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need to that, do. That should have been the first episode. That should have been the first episode. <laughs> just just an entire hour of having a go at Sam, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Constant <laughs> attacks on me, left, right, and centre. <laughs> yeah, why is Sam such a prick? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that one. Next, next, top, next podcast topic. Look at him with all his free time and all his money and his holidays. What a crap. <laughs> yeah, you just want to spill on him, don't you? take his laptop and break it I'm just a scum of the fitness industry alright I wear that title proudly that you do good stuff right boys well it's been a pleasure as always as always, as always. Yes. I'll see you guys next week <laughs>